You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. Jeff Faring and Tracy Lauk met here at House for All Sinners and Saints in, I think, 2009, and they soon fell in love, and by the time my book Pastrix was published, they were engaged to be married. I, of course, humbly take all credit for this since they met at the church I founded. So at the Pastrix book signing at Tattered Cover, when they handed me their copy for signing, I inscribed it to Jeff and Tracy. You owe me your firstborn, love, Pastor Nadia. (laughs) Two years later, Accidental Saints was published, a book which features a chapter about the love and forgiveness that Jeff and Tracy gave me after a huge mistake I made that hurt them. And by the time that book signing rolled around, they were married. Uh, And again, they handed me their copy to be signed. And in that one, I wrote to Jeff and Tracy, still waiting for that baby. Love, Pastor Nadia. Yesterday morning at 3.35 a.m., Sam Simon Daniel Faring was born. That was 3.35, and perhaps to get back at me for my snarky book inscriptions, at 4 a.m., they texted me. (laughs) It's no secret how babies are, like, strong medicine for me. I held baby Simon yesterday morning, and I kissed his head, and I gave him a blessing, and the small weight of his perfect human body felt like it was enough to bring me completely into the holiness of the present moment for which I was grateful. I needed that moment of holding brand new life to stretch as far as it could, since I knew that just hours later, I would be preaching at a funeral for another housemate of ours who had died. See, last night, just hours after holding Simon, I stood and preached at Wren Peterson's funeral. Many of you didn't know her, which is really too bad, because trust me, Wren was magnificent. (laughs) She was nerdy and creative, and for years she ran the cosplay events at Denver Comic Con, Rin was big, but she was bigger on the inside. Rin was larger than life and knew her fashion, and she dressed in gothic Lolita whenever she could. She accepted herself, and she accepted others, and she died way too soon. It was heartbreaking to stand in a room filled with people who were grieving her. I often find our culture's rituals and practices around death and dying and grief to be deeply unsatisfying. Maybe it's our austere, puritanical roots, but when I see how other cultures grieve so viscerally, so physically and audibly, like public, full-body grieving, I wonder why we are so constrained and polite about something as disfiguring as the untimely death of our child or parent or spouse, or friend, or sibling. 
Not only are we so reserved when it comes to how we lament and mourn, but it also seems like there's a little clock ticking on how long it's socially acceptable to do even this. But to grieve is to be human. And it is without question the most painful thing there is. In fact, grief is so painful that it can be hard to feel anything but loss in God's absence. So we often tend to either try to move too quickly to healing even when we aren't ready or we read endless self-help books trying to get over it or we find ourselves looking away when our friends are hurting too much for too long because we can't take it. But I think maybe that's why I jumped the lectionary and chose this gospel text for today. I kept thinking about Mary Magdalene all week, a larger-than-life woman herself. In our reading, Mary stood weeping at the tomb of Jesus. Her friend and her teacher had died a miserable death, and I imagine when she stood at his tomb and could not find the body, it must have been hard for her to feel anything but loss and God's absence. She thought he had left her alone when in fact he had not. And she did not recognize him until he spoke her name. Right in the midst of her grief and pain and loss, she turned at the sound of her name. I wanted to speak of this scene because I want you to know this. Grief can make us feel alone. But in her grief, Mary Magdalene was known so deeply that she was called by name. She was seen and she was known by the one who cried at the tomb of his own friend, Lazarus. She was seen and known by the one who said, Blessed are they who mourn. Blessed are those who have loved enough to know what loss feels like. Without the benefit of a PR team or a perfectly curated Facebook profile, Mary Magdalene, a woman who had been freed from her demons, was known and loved by Jesus. And even in the midst of her own disfiguring grief, she turned at the sound of her name. I say this because I believe that Wren and all the other saints who have gone before us, all the people ripped from our lives, are also known by God intimately, totally, completely. And I thought of this as I held Simon. I heard his, his small breath and I thought of God. And about how the thing that animated baby Simon when he emerged just hours before from the blood and oil of his mother's womb, when his skin touched air for the first time, the chill and shock of it opened his new mouth. And if he was to live, if he was to be a living being, he had to bring breath into his tiny lungs, those sacks of delicate moth wing feathered with blood vessel breath. Breath is the gift of life from the one who created us from the God who is both our origin and our destination. In some faith traditions, the very first thing a newborn baby hears is the name of God whispered into their right ear by their father. I like to think of this as a way to reinforce whose they are and from whom they came. 
Perhaps to whisper the name of God in the ear of a baby who just emerged from the womb is a way to say that the breath you just took into your tiny lungs is the breath of God, and it is from that very same divine source that you have come to us, and it is to that same divine source you will return after your last breath. And still other faith traditions would have it that God should never be named at all which is why God is called Yahweh in parts of the Hebrew Bible. And in Hebrew, it is four-letter name for God, which is too holy to be spoken, which is why instead in our Bibles, it's simply replaced with the Lord. But some rabbis I hear, some of them teach that Yahweh is not really a word at all. It is literally breath itself. Yah, exhale. Way, inhale. Which would make sense since the closest translation of its meaning is the one who causes to become. God is the one who causes to become. There's just something about being known by God and animated by God's breath in our birth and in our death that wouldn't leave me this week as I thought about talking to you all here tonight. So I can only say this, when you are grieving so deeply that you feel like you can no longer breathe, you are known in your grief by the same God who breathed into dust, as we're told in Genesis, breathed into dust to create you in the first place, and who will speak your name in the moment of your own death. Your grief is holy to God. A God who, as Jesus stood at the tomb of his friend and cried tears as salty as your own. A God who died and descended to the dead and then defeated death for once and for all in the resurrection and then promised that we too will rise from death. That death indeed in any spiritual eternal way has no sting to it whatsoever. This is the comfort I thought of this week as I bore witness to both birth and death. That the God whose name is our very breath, who breathed the words, let there be light, who breathed into dust to create humanity, is present when we breathe our first breath and present when we breathe our last. I believe that our final exhale is hya, and that God completes God's name inhaling hue and carries us on God's divine breath into the heart of God from where we came to begin with us and Wren and Simon and all the holy saints of God. Breathe that in. Amen.